Hey, welcome in to the Ramon Foster Show. I said Ramon. I said that like how you say my name, B Mac. No question. Ramon Ramon. It's all the same. <laughs> I mess up my own name. I, I told y'all we get uh Brian McFadden out here. I call him B Mac. I've shortly called him Mac, but we're about to start this show because uh he got limited time, but we're gonna make the most of it. So as we get to him, y'all send y'all questions in. Uh you get ready for it because it's gonna be a really good one. Here we go, B Mac. Yes, sir. B Mac, man. First and foremost, thanks for coming on to the show live for us today, man. It should be a good time. As I said earlier, uh, legendary player in Pittsburgh, legendary guy to me, first and foremost. I appreciate you as uh you guys took me under, accepting me as a Pittsburgh Steeler, man. Although I had to work for it, but it was cool. Uh B Mac, first things first, man. I gotta ask you because I'm always intrigued with this. The actual Sports Illustrated cover. What was that like? Did you know that that defense was that good? Yeah, by the time we did the cover, it was towards the end of the season, right before the playoffs started. So, yeah, we we, we, we knew we were, like, legit. You know what I mean? Now, in, in yeah. regards to being involved in those legendary conversations, you know, which, which meant winning the championship. But when we did that, when we did that, uh, that cover and yeah we were the top dollars but we knew it the entire season we were consistent football extremely physical you know that's the mindset in pittsburgh from top to bottom and we just we just were good at what we did you know mike tomlin always to emphasize you know having the best we had a lot of players that were playing at a high level and the most important thing that we had you know man, I think I think we got to wait on you to slow down just a little bit, man. If you could park, uh, you're you're moving in and out right now, which is isn't isn't. Oh, don't worry, I got I got you, I got you. Yeah, my my bad about that. I'm I'm about to pull over in a second, but uh, but uh, yeah, but we just had a lot of a lot of fun, man. But yeah, we we knew we were that group when we did that interview. Did you see? And and we have one of the comments up right now from Catboy that says, "Bring that fear back to Pittsburgh." Let me ask you this. Did, did you know that you guys had to play with that reckless abandonment like that? Or when did it turn? Because we can talk about it because technically it's the old NFL with the way the rules weren't as tight as they were now. What was the mindset of guys that was on the field with you at that time and yourself, even at cornerback? Oh, man, that was a standard. You know, are you willing to stick your face in a fan? And for our viewers that are watching us, basically – Removing the, remember the old school fans that you have on the stand, and they had a, yeah. a they had a a, 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 a a fan in front of it, like yeah. you couldn't touch it. You had to like you know if you took it off, then the fan was exposed to yeah. your hand. You know that's yeah. that's what we used to that's what we used to say in our defensive room. Are you willing to stick your face in that fan? Uh, yeah. It's no different than having a ceiling fan above you, and you put your face up to it. You know that's fire. That's that, that's that's the type of battle that we were in week in and week out. And that's just something that, that that was the mindset. I remember when I got drafted to Pittsburgh, you know, in, in regards to playing the cornerback position, you know, they wanted to make sure – they wanted to know that I was a guy that was willing to tackle, that wanted to right. tackle. You know what I mean? It wasn't about tackling because you had to. It was about tackling because I wanted to. 
Right. And that's how we played the game. You know, Ramon, there's a lot of guys in, that play defensive football, especially in the secondary. They don't want to tackle. No. They only do it because they got to. For us, that was a necessity. No doubt. And, and they, we treated practice like that. Training camp was the exact same way. And the game, of course, I ain't going to say you played for free, but it was easy at that point for y'all. Oh, no question. You know how training camp used to be back in the day. You used to have 907 drill, inside drills, was full line, full goal. You know what yeah. I mean? Goal. You remember goal line drills? How it oh used to be gosh. intense? How intense it was? Yeah, that, that's where you really knew exactly who was ready to go to war with you and who wasn't. You know what I mean? So that's that's how we practiced. And that entire year, man, I remember Ramon going back to the offseason when the schedules were released. Yeah. And they picked us to finish either third or fourth in our division based on how good Cincinnati was the year before and Cleveland, of yep. course, Baltimore. And we had the hardest schedule out of any team leading up into that 2008 year. And we saw that. We took it as a challenge. And we right. held 13 straight opponents under 300 yards, the first time that's ever happened in the NFL. That's crazy. Play, so, playing so, against one of the best, the, one of the toughest schedules in the league at that time. When in the era where you had to go tackle, you had to impose your dominance, you had to be able to say, do everything that you said you was going to do also. That's tough. But I, I, I got to take you here too because they, they brought up his name yesterday. Okay, we had a – I'm going to take you down this road we were on yesterday. I was like, I got to get BMAC on because I knew you can elaborate on this topic. We had somebody kind of drop the name that, you know, Coach Tomlin inherited coward players and he had Dick LeBeau. And I want you to specifically talk about – Either one, Coach Tomlin, and also what was it like to play for Coach LeBeau, too? What was that mentality like? I I'd rather hear LeBeau first, and you can kind of lead into what it was with Mike T after the fact. Man, Dick LeBeau, man, even to this day, I give my right arm to Dick LeBeau. Today. Today. A guy who I highly respect, even for you guys on the offensive end, you know what yep. I mean, offensive side of the ball. You probably didn't have a lot of, you know, back and forths with LeBeau, but you respected him. A hundred percent. A hundred, right? You know, you respect yeah. the big LeBeau, and he was always an even kill guy. Never got too high. Never got too low. Uh, he knew the game. Very, very instinctive. Right. Um, just found ways to put us in positions to be successful. And not to mention, he played a game at a high level. Was extremely yeah. good in what he was doing when he played in the National Football League for the Detroit Lions. And just some of the things he came up with in in regards to putting us to be in positions to be successful. We was always so prepared, man. That's yeah. the thing. We was we was overly prepared week in and week out, and that's why success was so consistent for us. Yeah. He put us in positions, watching film with him, going over our notes. Yeah. I mean, things our, our tip sheet. You know, for a lot of fans, they don't know. Yes, we used to get tip sheets in the league in Pittsburgh, defensive yeah. back wise. We to, to look out for in regards to certain formations, you know, certain plays and and pre snap alignment, uh, just like that. That was Dick LeBeau. He was the he was the the brains of the operation. Everybody else that was in, under his staff and his staff just kind of trickled everything down to us, you know, from Coach Mitch, you know, Butts, you know, uh, uh, when you talk about Ray Orton was there, Dan uh, uh, Perry, Coach Perry, DP. Yep. Man, we just had some outstanding coaches, man. So, Big LeBeau was the mastermind, um, and, and he just put in position to be successful. He didn't have to say a lot. We had sound leadership, you know, that did a lot of great things for us in regards to keeping us focused and dialed in. And then for Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, and I say this all the time in regards to my uh, personal career, 
going back to my college days at Florida State, in regards to the people that coached me, I was in I was in football heaven. So yeah. at Florida State, I had Bobby Bowden, Mickey Andrews, two wow. legendary Hall of Fame individuals in regards to coaching. I get drafted. I got Bill Cowher, Dick Lobo, already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then in comes Mike Tomlin, who will be in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. So the football knowledge that I was around, oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's, if I ever wanted to get into coaching, man, it'll be hell to pay. Because, man, I've really had an opportunity to observe a lot of knowledge football-wise in regards to coaching. But Mike Tomlin, man, is so freaking smart. Super smart, man. Yeah. Super smart. Uh, he's a leader of men. The most unique thing, and I don't know, you might agree with me or, or not, but his ability to motivate, that that is something that a coach has to have. I, I didn't prep you for that. I did not prep you for that at all, B-Mac. This is your words right here because I said the exact same thing. What What is What's the head coach's job, B-Mac? You got to be able to be a leader of men, grown yeah. men, but you also have to have the ability to motivate any given time, even when we have a below 500 record, when we can't get anything right. Yeah. You got to make us feel like we're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Nobody yeah. can stop us. And Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in doing that. You know, he has these Tomlinisms where he says these things that you like only he can say. You're like, what the freak? You remember yeah. how he was saying it? What it's a five star matchup because we in it. You know what I mean? The standard is the standard. Absolutely. You know, our job is to, to put your hand in the pile to try to hoist the sticky Lombardi. He was like, why he kept calling it sticky? Oh, yeah. By the time it gets to everybody, it is sticky. You it's know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So little things like that. That got us going, man. It, there's no other coach better than Mike Tomlin in regards to that element, especially when you factor everything that goes into his ability to get us prepared when it comes to playing the game of football. No doubt about it, man. And B Mac, this uh, so the Steelers at a point right now they've gone super heavy free agency on the offensive side of the ball. I think all signs point to the fact that they need some defense. Uh, you had uh, the legendary Joe Green come out and say, "Stopping the run." Cam Hayward has kind of said he need a guy or two, but I look at this draft and I kind of, everything's pointing to the fact that they might need a lockdown corner B Mac because you know, Russian covers work hand in hand. What do no you doubt. see from the young guys coming out this year as far as, and we'll get to them in a minute. Cause I know everybody wants to talk about Pat Peterson, but what is, what are you seeing from these young corners and safeties coming out this year and who, who you kind of got your eye on? Can you play with one of them's teammates? I mean, one of them's dad yeah. too, by the way. This defensive back class, specifically speaking, the uh, the corners, is an extremely deep class. Boy, they got they got some guys, man. They, the depth at that position might be the deepest out of any position. And the yeah. thing that I like about the corners, they're all long. I'm talking about you got a bunch of six footers that can run, that extremely athletic. In the words of Mike Tomlin, they got hot tape as yeah. well. Hot tape to yeah. back everything they've done in regards to pro days and in con the combine. So for, for us, yeah, you're right. The coverage side of things and the rush, they go hand in hand. You know, if you got a dynamic pass rush, it helps the guys in the back end. If you got a dynamic, you know, group of guys that can cover, it help it help the guys that are putting pressure on them. So in regards to, to Pittsburgh, I think having the 17th overall 17th. selection in the first round, you know, it, you can go you can go a few different ways. I think two things happen. I think either they draft offensive line or secondary, right? Now, it depends on how things fall in regards to yep. players that are selected. 
But I think those are the two things that will happen. Now you talk about Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, no question. I'm a bit biased. <laughs> I played with Senior. Um, know what type of dog he was. The apple don't fall too far from the tree. Right. So you know he got a lot of bark inside of him as well. Extremely long, six two, very very lengthy. Yeah. Um, he's always around the football. Extremely coachable. Mm-hmm. He's just a good guy. You know, he he fits that Pittsburgh mentality. He know about it growing up around in that environment the entire time. I think he's a guy that can come in and instantly be an impactful like player for us in the secondary. You know what I mean? So we just got to wait and see. Hopefully he's there mm-hmm. when we select. Uh, if not, man, there are uh, a handful of guys that could definitely be a big time strong contributor uh, for the Steelers in year one, in my opinion. Yeah. With, with that being said, at that position and in today's NFL, I won't correlate it to Pittsburgh and how we've always done stuff. But at, at that position, what's most important in today's NFL for corners specifically? And I, well, no, corners and safeties in today's NFL, the way they got to play. Is it the physical side or do you want a ball hawk, B-Mac? Uh, man, listen, listen, Ramon, if you can get somebody who can get that football. Yeah. Get the football. Get the football. If you can find an individual that can get the offense extra possessions, that's that people pay top dollar for that. Yeah. Turnovers, sacks, and turnovers. Think about this guys that can get sacks get paid. They do. Guys that can get interceptions, they get paid. They get paid. You know what I mean? So that that's that's the unique thing about you know, in regards to secondary play. And I can say this too as well. When you talk about a lot of defenses that create turnovers, they usually do a great job putting pressure on quarterbacks. Yeah, they do. They usually force the quarterbacks to throw the football when they're not ready to throw the football, which would warrant turnovers. So right. uh, that, that, that got to be an opportunity for, you know, when you look, look at the mentality of the defense, already having a a, a ball hawk in the secondary in Micah Fitzpatrick, oh you know, continue to add another one. That's not an issue. I, I think everyone will welcome that. No doubt. And, and that's where we go right now. Uh, Randy Wagner already hit us with it, B-Mac. Um, hey, B-Mac, did you help influence Patrick Peterson's decision to sign with Pittsburgh or with the Steelers? Man, listen. Hey, Randy, thank you for your question. I say this all the time. Pat was a Steeler before he became a Steeler. Why you say that? When Pat was in high school, I was already with the Steelers. Yeah. So anytime that I was down in the offseason or I was training, getting ready for training camp, I would have Pat with me. And oftentimes I was training with a lot of teammates from the Steelers. So he would hear our stories. He would be with us when we train and the way how we worked, how we grind, how we pushed each other. And of course, we were working out with other guys from other NFL organizations. But Pat just being around, being around the the Steeler way, you know, older guys like James Barrier, you know, I, myself, uh, uh, Will Gay, Ricardo Coakley, a handful of guys that played in Pittsburgh. And he was just soaking up everything that we were doing on the field, getting ready for the next season, you know, talking the hearing the stories. So that's why I said he was already a Steeler before he became a Steeler. He knew about the Steelers culture. Right. And it's funny when he, when he got to Arizona, we used to always have conversations. He's like, you know, these guys do things differently here than what I hear you guys, how you guys do it in Pittsburgh. So he knew about the Pittsburgh way. So did I influence him? No, I didn't. He was, like I said, he was already a Steeler and, yeah. and it's, it comes full circle life. Yeah. I mean, because when I played one year in Arizona, you know, Pat came out there to, to, to check a game out with me while he was at LSU. Right. right, right. He gets drafted to the Cardinals, you know, bam, I was there for one year. Then yeah. 
eventually towards the end of his career, he get an opportunity to go to Pittsburgh. Not only go to Pittsburgh, but wear the number I wore as well. That's you know cool. what I mean? So yeah. that was super dope. And he said he did it because of me, you know, wanted to show me some tribute. And I, I appreciate that. And I said, all I said was, I know one thing, Pat, the last family member that wore that 20 got that got his hands on a a, a sticky Lombardi. Yeah. So you already know what the standard is, man. But yeah, he he's fired up. He's always been a real big fan of Mike Tomlin and vice versa. And he's just he he's ready to go. He's up there right now trying to get things in, in, in line, you know, for uh for offseason regiment and stuff like that. But he's fired up, man. And I hope the fans are fired up as well. Yeah, we had uh Jared Devil just ask that question too. Did you have a sense of pride when he took that number 20? Man, I felt like a proud father. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, Pat was playing around about getting number seven. And, and boy, Pat, still, oh, oh, they let him have it. They let him have it. Still nature <laughs> wasn't going for that. Like seven? No, slow your roll. Slow your roll. No, sir. You know, they were yeah. jumping on Pat. And you know, he was having fun with it. Yeah. So we did our podcast, you know, all things covered by the way for everyone that's tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, listen to our podcast, tell a friend to yeah, tell a friend. No doubt. Absolutely. And, and uh and I was asking him, we were like, what number are you gonna get? He's like, Man, I don't know. We gotta see what's available. And I think the very next day he was in Pittsburgh and he called me. He said, Matt, man, you, you see what number I got? I'm like, no, nah, what what you got? And he was like, Man, well, check check social media. Yeah. Man, I saw it, Ramon. Man, I man, I felt like a proud father, man. Yeah, He's like, man, I, I I wanted to make sure it was okay for me to rock it. You good? I'm like, huh? What do you mean? What do you mean? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. With that being said, too, you, you two do uh work together. Your family members too, B Mac. Yep. So yep. tell us about what y'all do. So y'all so he they can hear him and hear you too, man. Yeah, man. Pat's my cousin, man. You know, much younger than I am. Um, but yeah, man, we have a podcast that we we've created over three about three years ago. It's called All Things Covered. Um, you know, of course, we talk all things, not just sports, you know, entertainment, uh so, social content. You know, everything. Pat is a big time golfer. You know, we've had John Rahm on, one of the best professional golfers in the country. Uh, we talk everything. So if you're a fan of podcasts, if you're a fan of different YouTube content, give us give us a give us opportunity to, 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 to get your eyes and your ears. Not to mention, if you're a Steeler fan, you know, we're talking Steeler stuff so far. And it's the thing about our podcast. Of course, with me having the Pittsburgh Steeler ties, you know, I have a, I've had a bunch of Steelers on Mike yeah. Tomlin. Bill Cower, Mel Blunt, TJ Watt, Juju when Juju was there. Yeah. Chris Hope, Larry Foote. Uh that's the place to Jerome, be. Jerome Bettis. Uh RC. Man, it's been RC. You know, it's been a lot. I gotta I gotta get you on there. Man, just you, give me t hit man. my text, man, with that droid phone you got. That's what you're gonna do. You gonna put me on front. You gonna put me on blast like my that. Bad. My bad. Be bad. Yeah, I got. I got. A, I got. I got that new galaxy. That James Bond edition. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, no sir. Doubt. Let me let me really 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 uh really me this though, B Mac. When it when it comes down to um Pat Peterson saying, man, he can move to safety. Is that like a natural progression somewhat too? And the only reason I bring it up because if they do take a first round corner, having him on the field still. It's huge. If he moves no back question. to move, move back to safety and being able to, you know, raise up a young guy, which is the same way y'all did with Will Gay, right? Mm -hmm. He got on the field. Like, where, where, where are you at with a guy going from corner to safety like that? Well, you talk about a Hall of Famer who sees the sees the entire field extremely well. Uh, there's no limit to what they can do in the secondary. 
Yeah. And the thing about Pat P, he talked about initially when he had conversations with Mike Tomlin, being versatile, moving around in the secondary. And the more ball hawking players you can have in the secondary at one time, that's a plus. You know, Pat, you know, he's one of the more – I think he's the active interception leader in the National Football that's League right now, if I'm not mistaken. If not, the active leader, you know, one of the top three guys. So you talk about having him and Mika Fitzpatrick and whatever other additions they make, you know, along with some of the other guys they have, you know, that that's play that's, – those are playmakers, you know, they yeah. and they make plays. So uh, I guess we got to wait and see exactly how they utilize him. But he's he's prepared to play team ball. You know what I mean? Whatever it, whatever they need of him, he's willing to do so to try to, you know, hoist that sticky Lombardi. Yeah, no doubt about it. We had somebody early ask this uh, question, B-Mac. I know we got to get you up out of here real soon, man. But Hey, hey I see somebody say, don't listen to Ramon. Androids is the best. <laughs> is that Jared Kraft? Yes, yeah. sir. Androids <laughs> is the best. Yes, sir. <laughs> I don't nobody care about all that B-Mac, man. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but Coach T came out recently and said that that 2010 defense was probably what changed the NFL. Mm. I saw it firsthand. I practiced against it. Somebody asked me, has James Harrison ever got me in practice? And you know that little arm bar rip he does? Mm-hmm. He got me when I was doing scout team reps, man. Like, it was <laughs> a different era. B Mac, you agree with that? Where are you at on that, man? Because I saw some stuff that probably should have been outlawed. If some of the things that occurred in 2010 happen now, what? It's a lot of fines and suspensions. Oh, man. Debo were putting people to sleep every week, especially yeah. they play for the Browns. Man, I think he got in that 2010 season, he got yeah. a few guys. Colt McCoy went to sleep. Josh yep. Cribs went to sleep. And they were teammates. Uh, Mohammed Massaquah went oh, yeah, to sleep. Yeah, Massaquah. That's the one that I think finally shut it down was Massaquah. Man, Debo were putting people to sleep left and right, boy, for Cleveland, especially for Cleveland. So, yeah, the way how the game, we approached the game, you know, f- playing physical was something that that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah. Now, back then, they called the game in a different way right. than they do now you know, deserving. So we all know why. But yeah, when you talk about kind of having an imprint in the trajectory of the rules, no question is the Steelers. The Steelers had a lot to do with that. The defense, specifically speaking, James Harrison, if if I'm not mistaken, I think Debo got fined 75,000 that entire year for hits. Yeah, yeah. And that's old NFL. So that was a lot of bread back then, man. No question. That was a lot of bread. That's a lot of bread. Now, what am I talking about, B-Mac? That's a lot of bread, period. Anytime, man. Exactly. Uh, Last one, man, and I know you got a role, is this. Uh, Pittsburgh fan 412 asks the question, what cornerback does B-Mac want us to draft this year? Joy Porter Jr. is my number one. Give the breakdown again for the new crowd. What what, did you say? Long? Rangy, pedigree, long, lengthy, rangy corner, knows the Pittsburgh way, 6'2", very, very athletic, coachable guy, um, just an all-around football player. I love him. I love his game. Yeah. Secondly, if he ain't available, Ramon, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois. From Illinois. They got two coming out this year, right? They got a, Is it a safety in the corner? Yeah, but this is the corner I'm talking about, number 31. Listen. If you talk about somebody who don't mind getting in a fight, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a bar fight, a backyard brawl, Witherspoon, he covered like Darius Slay, but hit like Brian Dawkins. Oh, wait. <sighs> Serious. 
Hey, when we get done, look at his highlights and just text my phone and say, B Mac, either I'm I was right or I was wrong with my assessment on Devon Witherspoon. Okay. When I tell you he will stick his face in the fan, yeah. My only concern with him is two things. Will his body hold up based on how physical he plays and how many times he's going to get fined? <laughs> yeah. But see, let me go ahead and be selfish. That's what a guy like Pat Peterson is for. You're right. You You're right. And, yeah. and, and the thing I like about Devon Witherspoon, he's so confident in his ability. Yeah. Like, he, he is a confident guy. I mean, he's a guy that believes that he is a, that guy, and he yeah. shows out week in and week out. I'm not yeah. driving a minivan. Who said I'm not driving a minivan? <laughs> 3D. <laughs> 3D. No, I'm not driving no minivan. Hey, that minivan is specific for soccer dads, yeah. right? You know, I don't know why soccer dads got to have a minivan. They only got one child in the car. They got one kid in the car, but they got a big <laughs> minivan. And it's usually a Chrysler, by the way. It is. No, I'm not driving a minivan. <laughs> Be Mac, that's that's awesome, dog. Uh, and you said it like three, four times. And I saw somebody ask that question a second ago. I keep saying this the last one, Be Mac, but you keep giving us great content. But what but does it mean? It's two things. It's this one right here. What does it mean as far as nameless great faces? What does that mean to you? Because Mike T said that you heard him say that too. Well, you know, that's basically. I think he was talking about Cleveland. Yeah. The Browns, yeah, it was, you know, and and basically nameless. If you if if you're nameless, you don't have a name, yeah, or you don't have a name that people respect. Yep, you know, and great faces. You think about great faces. It's just a face. Right. So that that was kind of a smart slight, I it think, was. towards the opponent that we were facing. Nameless great faces. Come on, because you know if you're going to get some legit contenders, uh, you know the name. Like you, you playing know, against Pat Mahomes, you you not gonna say Pat Mahomes is a nameless great face. No, he's him. He's the five star matchup. You are not gonna say Joe Burrow is a nameless great face. No, absolutely no. not, man. It kind of morphed. I, I will say that when we were coming up, well, in my years, uh, mm -hmm. too, it don't matter who you play. It only like we got cocky there. I'm gonna be real with you, B Mac. It don't matter who we. And no, we've always been that way. Yeah. Everybody that we line up against on that day, they nameless great faces. No question, no question. But when he said it publicly, you know, but yeah. for us internally, man, it's not about who we playing. It's about us. As yeah. long as we in it, it's a five-star matchup, man. Because we in it. No question. It, because the Steelers are in it. It's not about who we play. It's a five-star matchup because we're we in it. it. People you are coming to see us play. Period. Yes, Give them sir. a show. No doubt about it. Pittsburgh fan came back with that, man. It's a five-star matchup because always we in it, B-Man. Yeah, we in it. It don't matter who we playing. We could be playing the Little Sisters of the Poor. Guess what? It's a five-star matchup. <laughs> no it's a five-star matchup. Them Steelers in town, you know how we travel, man. I told oh, Pat man. P about it. I said, listen, you about to – and if they have a great – oh, my goodness. That's the thing, too. When the Steelers are winning, you can't it's do no insane. wrong in Pittsburgh. You, see? That's that's the other side of it. Like it's a rabbit fan base, man. It is. Man, you can do. You want free groceries? Yeah. Steelers, you get whatever you want. You can't do no wrong when the Steelers are winning in the city and everywhere we travel. Our fans take over. Yeah, they do. You know, that's how many a, time, I, I was, was gonna, gonna say, say coming that's the most, here and, yeah. and having like the entire lower bowl be black and gold. 
Man, that, that used to be, I used to love when we used to go to Cleveland, and Cleveland would be talking for about a quarter. But their fans were so annoyed because our fans would just take over, and our fans were so disrespectful. That's so disrespectful to go in somebody else's house and just take over their house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's when what you our win, fans used to do. When you win and you good, you do that. And and to your point a second ago, the standard has always been the standard. And on your way out, man, I put up some really good comments for you too, man. This one I thought was probably the best one. It looked like you just got shaped up. They said they need them beard genetics. Okay, that that was one. Okay, Team Droy for life. That was from Dwayne. You feel me? Oh, that's good water right there. Good hydration. Water. That's all I drink. Water. That's all I drink. <laughs> no doubt, B Mac, man. I know you got a roll, dog. I appreciate your time. We can have you back anytime you want to. Anytime. Next time I'll be more. I'll be stationary. And for all our viewers, I actually pulled over, so it's not a safety hazard. I'm in an undisclosed. Talking. I need to figure out where I'm at anyway. But I, I, I pulled over. But the next time you have me, I'll be I'll be stationary to give you guys everything you need. But thank you for having me. And like I said, for all our viewers, man, all things covered is the podcast. We have the newly signed Steeler, Pat Peterson, as my co-host. We family members. We love to have fun, man. Please tell a friend to tell a friend about our podcast. Subscribe. We have a YouTube page as well. Big time Steeler content. Like I said, we've had some of the greats on and we will continue to have more current Steeler players on as well, especially with Pat P being a part of the family. No doubt about it. Y'all go like, subscribe, share with a friend, share with everybody. B-Max podcast, man. Appreciate your time, B-Max. I might hang around a little bit longer, man, and yes, try sir. to sift through some of this foolishness that they sent our way. You be safe, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having no me, doubt. bro. Appreciate it, right. B-Max. Told y'all we get them. I delivered, and that's where we are, man. B Mac with a lot of good content. I thought it was really uh cool to see him uh give a specific name. Uh Devin Witherspoon said is a dog. Also said his first pick as far as cornerbacks go is uh, of course Joey Porter Jr. Will we get that pick? I'm not sure. But I know he's a name that's been ringing loud as far as the connection to Pittsburgh. But I'll say this, no matter what, having a guy like uh, Brian McFadden's cousin on the back end, Patrick Peterson, I think you hear him kind of allude to that a little bit as far as and the offseason training with how he went with his teammates, you know, uh, Farrier, uh, Will Gay being in that group, Ike Taylor being in that group, and how they all just kind of stuck together. I hear, I know a lot of people here say that all the time. Like, man, the Pittsburgh locker room is just different. The, 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 the absolute culture of what we do is different from everybody else. And that's always kind of been the case when it came down to uh, how we operated. And for Pat Peterson to kind of grow up around that, I really look at that and say he know what it is as far as the expectation of playing inside of that stadium and and how you um and how you're supposed to play when you got that black and gold jersey on so i'll say this i feel a whole lot better about patrick peterson signing because of he's been around a guy like uh brian mcfadden's and others that that's what you need culturally you need guys to be able to carry on that history you need guys to be able to uh allow what you've laid down with guys before them, guys like B-Mac, guys like James Harrison on the offensive side of the ball, Ben, of course, always bring up Willie Colon, Max Starks is those guys. Before me, Alan Fanica was one of those dudes, uh, Marvell Smith, that everybody played their part. And when you walk inside of that building, almost every single person I've had on here or you guys talked to or listened to another podcast, they have kind of said, 
we do stuff a certain way. There's order. Uh, I don't want to say it's law and order, but there's order inside of a Pittsburgh locker room. So having the ability to have a guy like Pat Peterson, who's a respected vet, bring that culture and keep that culture inside of that locker room, I think it'll be good. And specifically on the secondary side of things, too, considering how considering how it's a need for that lockdown corner. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what we uh, end up picking. Uh, Vegas TJG said, is it Porter Jr. or is it PZ Jr.? You know what's crazy? And it's probably going to be adopted. If Coach Tomlin does draft um, Joey Porter Jr., he literally grew up inside of that facility, 3,500 South, 3,400 South Water Street in Pittsburgh. He grew up there. I remember seeing him being worked out by our team trainers and just having the ability to be in the weight room and understand what was what when it came down to being a young pro. Um, Coach Tomlin's probably going to call him JJ. That's probably who he's going to end up being inside of that building and probably to our fan base too. Either way, with the moves we've made offensively, with how Omar's kind of come out and said, we're going to be aggressive. If there's a need for us to move up and there's a need and we know another team has another um, need, then we're going to try to get in front of them. I think that puts us in a really good spot as far as what this team's going to do this year in the draft. I said it the other day and I'll say it again. As it stands right now with this Pittsburgh Steelers team, I feel as it stands, we are a better team now than we were last year. I look at the signings in the OL, the depth that you just added. Them five starters going uh, uninjured for the most part of the season, that doesn't happen often. So I look at that and I kind of say to myself, they needed that depth. I say again, D-line, cornerback, and linebacker should be addressed in this draft and potentially another wide receiver too. That will be a huge jump for us when it comes down to uh, where we are as far as competing in today's NFL. Again, like and subscribe. If you missed the uh, beginning of this show, we will repost it. It'll be on all platforms, of course. DK, I saw y'all said it's time for him to get fired if he missed another show. And you know what? I agree with y'all. DK, keep missing these days, man. It's going to be our show is what we're going to turn this into. But it is what it is. Thank you guys for tuning in to us. DK and I will be back tomorrow. And uh, peace, good people.